0: 16,000 plus have been so vocal yeah, all man. night long. You're vocal, yeah. but I have no idea what the saying hey, right is.
1: These fans are awesome. They've come to have a good time. It's what the WWE does. It's funny, uh, you're hearing a lot of champs tonight that you normally hear when we're over in London, and that's where we're going to be in a couple of weeks for Monday Night Raw. Soccer chance, of course, or football, as
2: they call it over there. And we'll be compares
1: There's oh, there, college so they call it. <laughs> once again, presenters.
2: You, you two are definitely compares. they are having a great time. They have been roaring all night. All I, I know love it. Ow, 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 ow. What a great, great atmosphere. Look, uh, you're, you're standing on my ankle there, fellow. All I know, this is one of the coolest
1: nights in WWE history. It's always like this, uh, the night after WrestleMania. Are they for you? <laughs> oh,
2: my Lord! Here's Sheamus into the cover, under the leg and a kick out! And two! Smart. This place is insane! They're chanting for They're, they're brilliant! <laughs> These folks are brilliant! Oh, my Lord! And now is gonna now they're cheering, I... they're giving themselves a big <laughs> round of applause. <laughs> they're gonna start chanting their own names soon. I love them! Oh, now listen! <laughs> now they're chanting for Lama! They'll never chant, oh, I can guarantee you that. <laughs> what a night. This is incredible. Right now, oh, Randy orton oh has got to be thinking, what next? Well, here's what's next. Oh, Listen. oh, oh. what a drop kick. Wow. That was beautiful. They're chanting my name. Oh, They've gone nuts.
1: we got to take a break on that. How crazy as AJ.
2: Let me tell you something tell you something let me tell you something let me tell you something let me tell you something well let me tell you something well let me tell you something let me tell you something let
1: me tell you something let me tell you something let me tell you something let me tell you something man Greetings, Grapple fans! I'm trying my best to get the energy up for one last big introduction for you. But my God, we've been going hardcore this this year. We're on our knees, doing very weak forearm strike exchanges with one another in a verbal sense. But we're going to uh. try and will each other up and show some fighting spirit to the end. And by the end, I mean the end of this year, this decade. This long-term project that's been, let me tell you something, this year. We released about 35 episodes before this year. This year, we've done about 155. So, fuck you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Gone for it. (laughs) But this is your co-host, Lorcan Mullin talking. And with me, as always, is the Nick Jackson to my Matt Jackson. The Tamatonga to my Tonga Loa. The increased visibility and numbers of homeless on the street throughout the decade, to our coincidental decade of Tory government rule, Mr. Simon Cross. Simon, how are you today, mate?
0: I told you last time. Stop depressing me with these well, things. A... I was fine. I was fine. There's
1: literally a homeless man just down the steps on the on the uh, from where in my block of flats. Who's gone here to shelter because he might die in the, of hypothermia if he's left out in the cold? So, and I'm sure at least one of my uh, fellow flat occupants will be alerting the security people as they go because he does smell. But you know, who's who's really in the in the worst situation here? But anyway, that took a turn. <laughs> we're gonna talk. We've talked about 2019 in review. Yep. But we decided that that wasn't enough, even though it took us 2 hours and 20 minutes. We're going to try, in hopefully about less than an hour than that took, to talk about the entire bloody decade now.
0: Broad strokes this. We're yep, going to really try and broad be broad. Because we have broad. done,
1: like, if you want to go back into the archives, we've done 19, 18, 17, and 16 in review at least. I don't think we did 2015. I don't think so we did. So we're do. covering... But, so let's just start off with the WWE. But one thing I want to make, one of the interesting things I think that's uh, been notable in wrestling in the past decade has been the monopolised control that WWE has had. That Essentially, the start of the last decade had the collapse of WCW and ECW. And the very end of this decade sees the creation of AEW and the continued expansion of New Japan. So for the first time in basically an 18-year period wrestlers have a bit more control. Yeah. But because of that, because of the utter dominating control of the WWE, one thing I wanted to do as a little curious experiment was look at the roster involved in the Royal Rumble at the start of each of these decades and just get an idea of the turnover of talent. So let's Okey look doke. first in 1990. The 1990 Royal Rumble, the card featured in pre-Rumble matches... The Bushwhackers, the Fabulous Rougeot Brothers, Brutes the Barber Beefcake, the Genius, Ronnie Garvin, Greg Valentine, Jim Duggan, the Big Boss Man, Hulk Hogan, uh, Mister Perfect. Those are the two that ended the Rumble, and these are the other Rumble entrants: Ted DiBiase, Coco Beware, Marty Janetti, Jake the Snake Roberts, Randy Savage, Roddy Piper, the Warlord, Bret Hart, Bad News Brown. Dusty Rhodes, Andre the Giant, The Red Rooster, Axe, Haku, Smash, Akeem, Jimmy Snooker, Dino Bravo, Earthquake, Jim Neidhart, The Ultimate Warrior, Rick Martel, Tito Santana, The Honky Tonk Man, Shawn Michaels, The Barbarian, Rick Rude, and Hercules. So by my count, either at the 2000 Royal Rumble or sometime after that, there were maybe four or five people that then went on to be contracted on-screen WWE talent at either the 2000 Royal Rumble or after that. So I've got Big Boss Man, Hulk Hogan, Mr. Perfect, Uh, Martin Ginetti was only one or two spots here and there, so he doesn't count. Um, Bret Hart was retired at that point. Shawn Michaels, obviously, yes. Haku was briefly in there in 2001. Um, And that's it, I think. Yes, six... Six talents that were in the 1990 Royal Rumble were doing something in the WWE in the year 2000 or beyond. Okay? Six. Six, Simon.
0: It's one more than five.
1: Let's look at the 2000 Rumble. Taz, Kurt Angle, The Hardy Boys, The Dudley Boys, Chris Jericho, China, Hardcore Holly, The New Age Outlaws, The Acolytes, Bradshaw and Farouk, Triple H, cactus jack mcfoley then we've got the rumble itself d lo brown grandmaster Sexay, mosh christian rikishi scotty Two hottie steve blackman viscera big boss man so that was one of the few carryovers tess the british bulldog gangrel edge bob Backlund, chris jericho crash holly china farouk road dog al snow val parent albert hardcore holly the rock Billy Gunn, Big Show, Bradshaw, Kane, The Godfather, and X-Pac. So at that point, that's about that's just over at somewhere between a dozen and uh, and like somewhere around fourteen or fifteen.
0: Mm. Names have carried over. Okay, so that's like over. Oh, wow, that's more than double.
1: Yeah, double and a half. So let's look at the twenty ten Royal Rumble. Uh, Christian retired. Uh, Ezeki, but still part of the, the PR division and media ser- scene. Yeah, Eze- Ezekiel Jackson, no, nope. not there. The Miz,
0: there. MVP, not there.
1: WWE Championship match: Sheamus, Randy Orton.
0: Uh both injured at time of but recording. But are still going
1: to be there. But
0: are still there. They're
1: regular employees. They both. I think be-
0: Sheamus is due to return soon. Well, he's
1: doing all the war like he's doing intros on SmackDown. Mickey yeah. James, Michelle McCool, The Undertaker, and Rey Mysterio.
0: That's Undertakers, not really there, but, but Mysterio. Is. Yeah.
1: Then let's look at the Rumble. Dolph Ziggler.
0: Still there. Everlord
1: Nope. CM Punk.
0: Yes, but not in the way you think.
1: JTG, The Great Carly.
0: Nope. Noob.
1: Beth Phoenix.
0: Yes, but not the, but not on, not as a wrestler.
1: Zack Ryder. Yes. Triple H.
0: Y- yes, I'll technically count him as a wrestler.
1: Drew McIntyre. Yes. Ted DiBiase. Nope. John Morrison.
0: Just. Kane. Yes. No. Mm. But yes. But Cody no. Rhodes. Definitely not.
1: But still an active, you know, MVP. Carlito.
0: Nope. The nope.
1: Biz? Yep. Matt Hardy. Yes. Somehow. Shawn Michaels. No. Sort, but still a part of the vision on bit, screen. Yeah, he's a, he, he makes appearances. John yeah. Cena.
0: Mm, yes.
1: Shelton Benjamin. Yes. Yoshi Tatsu. No. Big Show.
0: Not at not at time of recording. Not Mark recently. Henry. I yes. think he does media.
1: Chris Masters? No, no. R-Truth? Yes. Jack Swagger? No. Kofi Kingston? Yes. Chris Jericho? No. Edge? No. Batista?
0: Yes. But I think it's significant
1: as well, just to the fact that there are ones that are like, sort of yes and no, because what's also happened in the WWE this decade is the 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 part timeization of the main event scene. you got figures like Brock Lesnar, The Rock, John Cena... Um, uh, and, and and others that can come in and... Well, Triple drop. H. Batista, Triple H. Yeah. Um, you know, ones that can come and go as they please... And they'll be just dropped into the main event scene. And I mean, we'll, hell, this year we had Shawn Michaels yeah, wrestle. And we'll so often make legend returns. They'll bring these people in to do a, a Raw interview or SmackDown interview segment a couple of times a year and usually also get one up on whichever the the current talent is.
0: Which like, is very awkward when some of them can't take bumps.
1: Yeah. So that's been an interesting thing, like the, the, the way that WWE pushes talent. And I think that the most obvious first striking example of that that happened in the 2010s Was the creation of NXT and the birth of the Nexus, which took place in 2010. So, if we look at NXT, that started as a TV show that replaced ECW on the Sci Fi Network? 3rd of February 2010. Now, ah, ECW sorry. at that point had sort of started to become the developmental, le- like promotion. I remember, like their GM, who was she? She was uh, Drew McIntyre's wife. No, not Daphne. That was the Goth Lass.
0: Jesus, I don't even know off the top of my head. I'll I'll get on that.
1: But anyway, she did this whole thing about the new superstar initiative or something like that. And so she... um, That's what ECW became. It became a place where guys like uh, Sheamus, Kofi Kingston, Evan Bourne, uh, Jack Swagger, a few other ones first appeared on the shows. But then NXT became a new brand. And what's so fascinating about it is the NXT of Vince McMahon... And then what it became a few years later under Triple H.
0: For those of you who have, um, still not Googled, by the way, Tiffany. Mm. Tiffany was the name of that GM.
1: Diamond, right? Um, what I think. So let's like if you remember what that first NXT show was. It was, it was the start of Vince McMahon's weird eccentricities really starting to show on TV and how. His vision of what made wrestlers great was a very odd idea. Making them do promo challenges and, and trying to say that it's not just wrestling. But, you know, and, and seemingly trying to make an example out of Daniel Bryan.
0: Yeah. Well, there was a hazing element to at
1: the same time, the, the first episode and so much of the first few storylines in X- NXT were about Daniel Bryan that he was losing to everyone, but he was still over with the crowd. And do you remember when they did the ranking system and he was ranked as number one and they would be given the mic and expected to, they were basically expected to read the mind of Vince McMahon. And it seemed like they were just playing by the seat of their pants, that people didn't know that they were going to get fired. Like both Michael Tarver and Daniel Bryan didn't know that they get booted off when they got booted off and then David Bryan did a promo saying well maybe Brian Danielson needs to turn up and all these weird ideas that Vince had and making them do keg challenges and everything but it almost was worth it after Wade Barrett won beating David Otunga and you know the fact that David Otunga was down to the final two and the whole thing was just he's got a good physique
0: yeah and a banger of a theme Love
1: this theme. I have no recollection of his theme. But then what happens a week later? They all come out with their N head, their N armbands and beat the crap out of John Cena and CM Punk and Luke Gallows.
0: Absolutely decimate the ring as well. They just tear everything yeah, apart. Yeah, well, that was so
1: wonderfully symbolic, I thought, because it was about how so often the young talent are expected to put the ringer, up. But this ah. time the young talent are going to tear the ring down.
0: Yeah. It, I know, it made just, like, a more visual impact just, for people not smart to that as brilliant. well. And
1: they were attacking everyone. They attacked the announcers.
0: <laughs> yes. You
1: know, like, when they just suddenly start assaulting Jerry Lawler and knocking him out. But Michael Cole, the big mystery of why did Michael Cole manage to run away in time? And everyone was thinking, is Michael behind it, you know? Yeah. But it was, such a cool, it was such a cool visual. Like, everyone was so excited for the potential. Because we were like, they could have made eight main event stars in one sitting but it became very obvious that actually what it was meant to be was the only way that these guys have a chance against john cena is if there's eight of them yeah and eventually john will beat all eight of them (laughs) anyway or that it became seven after the whole daniel bryan necktie controversy
0: yeah i mean you look at the team that um because it all culminated at that summer slam at 2010 and you look at the team that WWE put together even with all the level of infighting that they had even with the fact they had Bret Hart on that team a man who couldn't bump mm. and got himself disqualified by using a chair in that match uh, Cena was still able to overcome the odds yeah and I think a had...
1: few times where I mean Edge and Chris Jericho talked about it and they thought he, he pulled a power play he was like doing a Hogan yeah something they didn't usually associate with John Cena and apparently John Cena did admit after the fact that he shouldn't have done that yeah
0: it's one of those where, um, I mean, he doesn't really talk about, like, booking Well, we don't really Cena. know
1: that part of John Cena at all, really. No one ever talks about it. What we know is that he can drink with the best of them. Yeah. And that he has weird house rules, apparently. That's <laughs> all we really know about him.
0: Yeah, that that famous episode of Total Divas. Um, where, like, Nikki offers to cook him a meal and he just looks so freaked out. Um, it's it, it's online. Like people can go, go and go, like Google that clip. Um, but and also Daniel Bryan backing up on various podcasts that John Cena does have weird house rules as well. Mm. Just a strange man, but a,
1: a driven, a man. driven man. Yeah. Well, that was funny as well. That ho- this whole decade was, you know, we're at the top, the peak of John Cena versus the world, the ultimate good guy. But we also then have the whole consistent story of WWE seems to have been for the past decade the fans against the company. Yeah. And that there are either people that the fans are entirely against or entirely or the you know it's on the they're, side all of.
0: respect. Not necessarily it, entirely on the side of, but respect. Well I just think. want
1: them to get their opportunity. And you get that, you know, the most obvious examples being John Cena and Roman Reigns on one end, Mm. and Daniel Bryan, Becky Lynch on the other, but you've got other examples throughout the decade as well, Dolph Ziggler, uh, Sheamus and Randy Orton, that infamous post-WrestleMania 29 match where the fans all just turned on the match, turned on the wrestlers, turned... were chanting first for Mike Kyoda because he was the only one in the ring that they wanted to see. <laughs> but the weird thing was that the WWE management didn't seem to understand what the fans were doing, what they were saying, because they were, like, celebrating them doing it.
0: Yeah. Well, that, that's how they always try and get around that now, is post WrestleMania is bizarro world. Well, they've but also... Just, just...
1: Yeah But to, before we also go... started doing fewer significant events at those shows. The Raw After WrestleMania used to be really exciting, but now it almost feels like a a curtain call rather than a premiere for a new mm. set of storylines.
0: It still has its moment. But I it's think.
1: not as big a deal as it was in those first few ones. No. Not first but to, ones, but the more recent the, the early ones of this game.
0: To, to row back a little bit uh and talk specifically about John Cena. <laughs> Uh, I think this decade, is to to quote an old football cliché, is a Cena of two halves. Mm. Uh, First half, you've got John Cena being the guy. Um, Second half, you've got John Cena taking a step back from being the guy. And therefore, I think getting a lot more admiration from certain sections of the audience as a result because he's not being artificially pushed. But, But he's sort of in a holding pattern because they haven't found... Yeah. A candidate to replace him, yeah. so he's sort of still he's still got. Some, he's even though he's not on TV and hasn't been on TV in quite some time at the time of recording.
1: Well, at the point, this calendar year will be the first calendar year since 2001 where John Cena hasn't appeared in a pay per view event and wrestled.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, but because it's still weird because they haven't found the guy to replace him. They're well, I think
1: they have, because that was what I was going to say on the other end of it with John Cena. And, you know, and others like Randy Orton and Sheamus. But the most obvious example, the most consistently, inconsistently pushed man in wrestling in Roman Reigns. <laughs> they do all the build-up, and on at least three occasions, Vince McMahon is chickened out on the final pulling of the trigger.
0: Famous one, WrestleMania 31.
1: 31. Then it was, what, 33, two years later, when he lost to Brock again. Yep. You've also got when he won it at the Survivor Series, but they immediately did the shameless cash-in and then had him cry because apparently that <laughs> would get him sympathy.
0: Because uh, that's what people want, crying heroes. Mm. Crying muscular men. Like, just,
1: I don't know, there is Not... probably a very popular subreddit for this.
0: Oh, yeah, but... Um... You know, wrestling just doesn't seem to, like, welcome that.
1: But it's interesting because since then with Roman Reigns, it was funny, everyone was saying that one of the reasons WWE has felt so awful in recent years is, it was someone's suggestion on a blog, and it was, like, a dawning moment of, like, this ultimately shows you actually how good John Cena was. Yeah. He took all this shit that Vince gave him and made something out of it.
0: He did have Whereas other
1: people couldn't.
0: He does he did have some quality opponents to go against. Yeah. As well. Not saying that these guys like the people that are being pushed now don't, but you do have to look at the caliber of people seen was facing. You've got angle, edge, Jericho, um Triple H even H, Triple H. 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 Yep. Even his like feuds with um like that weird like ones he had like that weird mark henry hot minute or um the damien sandow like interactions or alberto Del Rio, like
1: well alberto Del Rio is another classic example of someone being given all the pushes and it never quite working out
0: just didn't click and well, looking click at him looking at him the man and what you hear is probably for the best
1: the basic problem is that they are willing to sacrifice people after the fact or they have to sacrifice them The most classic example, and this is after John Cena's been de-pushed a bit, was the whole Rusev situation. Oh brilliantly booked for a whole year. Fantastically booked. And then loses, what, two or three shows in a row to John Cena? Yeah. Basically comes out to WrestleMania on a tank, and that's his piece. So, so
0: hot in that moment. Oh, God. But the
1: thing is, you can have him lose to John Cena, and it doesn't kill anyone. No one's ever killed off losing to John Cena. But what losing to John Cena does is kill off Vince McMahon's interest in you. Yes. Every time, everything the way Barrett had after the Nexus ended, Vince obviously never cared as much for. We had the core. I'm a boxer. I'm in the core. I'm part of the league of nations i'm a bad news barrett you know bad news barrett being the best example yeah that it's just such a great character but then they just have to come up with like they just need someone to lose to this guy and he hasn't lost he hasn't beaten barrett lately and barrett will be fine but then they keep having them lose thinking oh barrett will be fine and then just suddenly they'll go people don't seem to care that much about barrett anymore must be his fault
0: yeah, so you could have easily applied that to Dolph Ziggler like <sighs> this decade like he could have been so like it's so frustrating you could have,
1: you could have pushed him as a Ric Flair like figure that he's not the biggest guy in the world but he bumps like a madman he's got the character he's incredible athletes you could have booked him as the guy that despite his size and despite the fact that he gets his ass kicked all the time finds a way to win yeah you can do that and they never did
0: it's just so it's so frustrating cuz they they that wrestlemania cash in i don't i can't remember if that was exactly in this decade i think oh it yeah what was, it was in this
1: decade i think it was, um, one, it was the one before 29 it was the one after 29 mm. probably the most famous post wrestlemania raw
0: yeah the reaction to him cashing in oh magnifique mm-hmm. beautiful and he had momentum and he had momentum later on in the year when he was the sole survivor in uh sting in the survivor series match where sting debuted and caused all sorts of like that there were so many times they they were like oh we can build from this and he just never did and it's possibly because vince was just like well he's just not going to be good it doesn't matter how the fans react to him i've i've got more I've yeah. my head
1: you can be in as over as rover in front of every single person in an arena, but if you're not over with the guy in the backstage gorilla position, with his suits on, watching the tel, watching the monitor with his spectacles, mm. yeah, there's only so far you can go. The, the the idea that he never understood the Dean Ambrose character, <sighs> that he never, you know, he never got. He'd always say, "I'll owe you one to CM Punk," you know. He, he, he never, you know. Vince is Vince, and <clears throat> it's a weird thing, like, how this I'm, you'd assume this will be the last decade where Vince is the final word on everything.
0: Oh, well, your last decade in its entirety, certainly. Um,
1: because that's the funny thing with what NXT became afterwards in Full sale. Ah. Now, this was the first time we saw WWE production values... Attached to a product that doesn't have Vince McMahon's creative control on it. Yeah. And it's not all been Triple H. A lot of people put a lot of the success down to guys like Ryan Ward, the writer. William Regal in his backstage capacity and talent scouts. Michael was,
0: Cole's got a Cole. bit of a hand in actually. as well.
1: Michaels in recent years with the, mm. on the production side of things. Uh, Matt Bloom. Yeah. And also just Vince not being in everyone's ear so people can do what they are good at
0: people can breathe let their like creative process flow rather than having to cater to the the dreams of one man the ideas the likes of one man
1: with dream as well the first few years dusty roads as well with all the character work that they were doing
0: of course of course and like look at what dusty roads is imprint on what we're looking at roster wise at the end of the decade uh His work with Bailey, his work with Sasha, his work with, well, all of the four horse women, but
1: Robinson in New Japan.
0: Yeah. That's, that's one of his, um, his work, his promo work, obviously with like Tyler, Tyler Breeze, who has done something incredible, like comedy stuff, um, So many, there's uh, there's too many to mention, but I imagine he'd have had words with the AOP slightly as well Well, well, before his passing.
1: Yeah, what also became significant was how NXT, I always said it's kind of like the Orange is the New Black or the Sopranos of the WWE. In that, when it started to become a key component on the WWE network, it was like... We have to have the higher quality content to con- to keep a certain constituent of viewer to tune in.
0: Oh, okay. We've got to be highbrow.
1: Yeah, essentially. Um, because, yeah. There are a lot of like guys that just the WWE product, the Vince man's offering, is not good enough. But a combination of the archives and NXT are probably what a sizable contingent of the viewers of the network are. You know? I'd go along with that. Um, and, uh, so I think that that led to a significant... Ch- I think the most significant... I haven't put it as a Mount Rushmore moment because it's too... It's more just vague. a spark. Yeah. It's not vague. It's very specific, like I always am. But uh, it was when Sami Zayn and Cesaro started having these like Match of the Year candidates on the developmental programme. Yeah. And that while Sami Zayn had had to ditch elements of the El Generico character, there was a lot more of that than you would have expected when he went to the WWE. And even him being hired by the WWE, and then a few month, uh, you know, a year or so later, Kevin Owens. Yeah. Suddenly, it was new criteria for who the WWE were interested in hiring. For the longest time, it seemed like if you were hit, if you were tarred with the brush of TNA, specifically. <laughs> But also sometimes Ring of Honor, the WWE thought you had a stink on you and they wanted nothing to do with you.
0: Yeah, or they had to like break you down and like Like, rebuild you. It just
1: seemed like people like Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, and all that were never going to be allowed on WWE TV because (sighs) they didn't want to give TNA any sense of significance. Like they wanted those people to be seen as small time. Mm. But the need for NXT viewers and a different audience there to cater led to some of these guys being signed up, and obviously with AJ Styles, it was more his work in New Japan, because he actually superseded the uh, NXT stage, whereas other guys like Finn Balor and others still had to go over...
0: And go through it, like and just, Nakamura or Joe.
1: That is the case. I mean, only... Out of all these people, the only ones I can remember that have just dodged the NXT stage are AJ Styles, Gallows, and Anderson.
0: <laughs> no coincidence, they're all Bullet Club members. They're all like... Um... They're all from New Japan, but they're all obviously American, like born. Uh, they've done the cool heel thing, that which is the uh, Bullet Club. In is a bit more American style work in New Japan, like the way they have their heel work. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, the rise of Bullet Club is one of the other most important elements. And like, if we like, we're saying so much. We, we've basically talked about the frustrations with the WWE that have led to the fermenting of anger on the wrestling scene and the desire for an alternative but then when you're looking for the alternative there weren't obvious places to look at the start of the decade you weren't going to no. to TNA where Dixie Carter's hiring Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff and you know they yeah. had their moments like oh, the, eight, they... the early stages of the Aces and Eights storylines yep. and, and things like that but it broken always, matt hardy broken matt hardy was a weird little thing in and of itself but it also the running gag was also always What's X doing in the impact zone? And it's always yeah. like a bastardization of their trademarked WWE name, you know?
0: Yeah. What's enormous show doing in the impact?
1: Yeah, zone? Those sort of things. Yeah. Um, and, and so TNA just—it was so weird. Just over the course of this decade, just dwindle and dwindle and dwindle, and just gradually people would fall off. You know, AJ which Styles, which is a shame because some of this,
0: the stuff they've produced in recent years. Apparently, in terms of quality, I must confess well, I don't. Watch I think a lot the key thing
1: was when Don Callis came in and essentially stripped it down to its bare essentials to the point that it's now essentially a territory in Canada and parts of a few po- pockets of America as well. Yeah. And they don't have big name stars there. They've got people like, they build it around people like Sammy Callahan, Brian Cage, Tessa Blanchard you know, LAX when they had them until they got signed up to AEW. Mm. Um, you know, and and some other stars, you know, they, they, they re uh, packaged and did great stuff with guys like Bobby Lashley and EC3 only for them to go to the WWE and be mismanaged in a whole variety of other ways.
0: Oh, EC3, especially Jesus Christ. He was like one of the hottest things in uh, TNA stroke impact for the longest time. And just, Oh, just do something with him sorry i get frustrated when i just think well, about all no, that but
1: again it becomes a case of if they piss off ec3 he can go places and there are places that will take him and he will make an impact you know you look at how poorly treated people like jack swagger were yeah but then they can just immediately get a slight repackaging in in an aew or they can end up in New Japan and reinvent themselves.
0: Well, Jack Jack's gone via MMA, yes. uh, but MMA was an option open to him. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it doesn't even have to be necessarily a wrestling option.
1: Yeah, of course. But so, I don't, for, I don't, I don't, for those with, I'm not, I'm not aware skills. of EC3's jiu-jitsu skills. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm just saying, like, not it doesn't have to be exclusively wrestling. That is your other options. But within the realm of wrestling, you're right, there are far more now than there were before. Uh, I mean, Marty Skill just turned up in NWA Power.
2: <laughs> yeah, God's
1: well, sakes. that's like like you say, Marty Skill, and also that's the other thing that's allowed wrestlers to flourish outside of the WWE is things like the Pro Wrestling tease explosion, spearheaded by figures like Colt Cabana, who were able to strike out on their own, create followings for themselves through podcast or social media postings. That you know, the being the elite videos are essentially what led to AEW for all intents and purposes. Well, it's their success and like. But the creativity. Bullet Club, you know, the Bullet Club and the variations of the t shirt, and really the Bullet Club t shirts were the most visible wrestling merchandise you would just see out and about since at least the. Well, at least the CM Punk white t shirt and just any of those sort of post pipe bomb CM Punk shirts for a few years. But before then, Austin 316 and uh, the NWO t shirts.
0: Yeah, those are the real cult
1: icons. Um, And that's what the Bullet Club became. And the Bullet Club was this weird sort of playhouse fun mirror version of the NWO.
2: Yeah. And And the whole notion
1: of trademarking two sweet gestures and everything. How the WWE can claim a trademark on that, I do not know.
0: Uh, Trademark laws are weird, man.
1: Very strange.
0: I I would say that the reason the Bullet Club and things like all these little things have not little things, all these different things from areas around the world mm. have come to our attention is the internet. The internet has been yes. key in shaping well, it's, wrestling. It's, it's, in this it's shrunk
1: everything, so people are you know people outside of the UK are aware of the hot how hot the UK scene became over the mid twenty tens. Yeah, and there would have been people aware of it, and guys like Progress have done shows in America and so on and, and have their on-demand services, which obviously don't make a lot of money, but obviously make some money. That there have suddenly been all these alternatives to the WWE out there. And WWE have tried to muscle in on the territory, like they have with the UK scene. Or to they put to, in a massive chokehold. Or they go into where they're sort of manipulating a lot of people's dreams and hopes. You know, mm. But the, the key thing now is we need a lot of wrestlers to now no longer be about the one thing I want is the WrestleMania moments. Yeah. Because you're buying into... You're not a Kool-Aid drinker. You're not a, a mark like some more cynical podcasters I've heard have said. Because ultimately the WWE is the place you're going to make the most money in your life. So if you're a businessman, you should be looking to get there.
0: And if you're an athlete with a limited shelf life on your career, mm. maximize your income.
1: But... You don't have to necessarily look at the WWE as the be-all and end-all, and you don't have to buy their corporate lines. You can you can use that company to your benefit as well. As you can well make as yourself more marketable
0: you. elsewhere f- because, through their interest. Because yeah.
1: the WWE will ultimately only, like I said, it's all down to what Vince likes, because I think the best example in this decade, really early on, is Zack Ryder. The WWE was always about, get yourself over, be very prominent on social media and all those sort of things. Exactly what Zack Ryder did. But it was like, oh, we didn't mean you. We didn't mean you.
0: (laughs) You're not supposed to do this.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And and then they give him the push, but then they put him in the wheelchair and make him look like an idiot. Now, some of that is Chris Jericho then asks Zack Ryder, well, did you stand up for yourself? Mm. And he kind of basically said no. Yeah. And like in the past, Sasha Banks has said she feels too intimidated to talk to Vince McMahon or, you know... But I think more people need to start having a pack mm. mentality of, well, fuck you then.
0: Well, Vince likes it when you stand up to him. Um, I can't remember the rest but of But he, yeah. he does only to a
1: point. He does only to a point because he'll still, you know, he'll still do some dick move like, you know, sending CM Punk his divorce... a you know, his uh, termination on his wedding day or on John Moxley's last show, sending him a minimum check of $500. Yeah, I think you it was know, less There's, than there's that. still uh, an incredibly petty man underneath all of that that's running the show still.
0: Yeah, well... He's unchallenged, isn't he, in his mind? Well,
1: he is being challenged now.
0: And, well, and he's about to... Um divide his interest with the XFL isn't it oh, so...
1: for the one year that that's going to be around
0: ah still it's a distraction for a bit
1: um but it's weird like it's, it's like how I say we're entering almost certainly the last decade where we're going to be ruled by a queen in our lifetime us oh in the, yeah. in the UK
0: yeah god bless her still going on
1: mm. the idea that Boris Johnson will be our prime minister when we're doing the coronation of a new monarch
0: well I mean if, if, if the conservatives haven't completely Collapsed due to infighting
1: Well or, or somehow the queen Becomes a bionic woman or something Who knows there's options Yeah the, to be honest the latter sounds They both sound just as likely as the um, But yeah It's, it's obvious that Vincent Mann has increasingly become Hermetically sealed in this cocoon Of a world that he was always a bit Stranded in anyway do you reckon that's
0: because for most of this decade, he hasn't had anything to deal with? Like, competition wise. Yeah, basically.
1: basically, he's always had to carry off on carry on the beat of his own drum. And I think it's a, it's one of those weird things, like how everyone thought that George... I've always said the person that I most compare Vincent Mann to is George Lucas. In that he tapped into something that maybe he didn't understand what he tapped into. And what he <laughs> liked about what he was giving us and what we liked about what he was giving us were two entirely different things and we've been in battle with him ever since, you know? Um, Pretty good analogy, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, I'm good at those things. I'm as good at that as something that someone's really good at. But anyway... <laughs> <laughs> um, brilliant. But no, you're right, because like, look it's, at... it's like. Vi- but also, vi- like, George Lucas, so many people point out that maybe the reason that Star Wars was a hit was not because of his brilliant auteur vision... It was because he happened to be working with some of the best prop masters and set designers of all time. Costume designers. Uh, uh, one of the best film composers of all time. Did his best work ever. Yeah, he had a team, They had three fantastic editors who sorted out this mess of a thing he'd scripted out. And actually made something new and coherent out of it. He hired some... Like Brian De Palma watched a rough cut of it. His movie brat's pal. Told him how much of a mess it was. And then helped him write a good opening crawl on the on the Star Wars thing.
0: Ah, this is but
1: then, shit. But then what Let me happens do it. When people buy into the prequels, uh, buy into the George Lucas mythology, buy into the auteur vision, and also he's become so powerful that people are too scared to challenge him, then you get the prequels. Yeah. Then you get suffering succotash.
0: Then you get, like, the most traditional example. What, what, what happened when Vince Russo was allowed... To, to be unchained in WCW. Well, Just look at what Lucas.
1: happened. That's not George Lucas. That's bloody... That's Tommy Wiseau having $6 million to spend on a film. Point still stands, though. Like, if you don't not, have... not, not good an al- analogy, Simon.
0: That's it's as odd. bad
1: an, an analogy as someone that's not good at making analogies.
0: Amazing. Uh, but no, like, the point still stands. I like, should be eat. charging
1: for these. <laughs>
0: Jesus... People should have uh, a support network around them to, like, stop them doing stupid things.
1: Well, that was what Uh, he had. That was what he had in the 80s and 90s with people like Gorilla Monsoon and Pat Patterson. And also just talent with a lot more power to say, oh, this is how we're going to do it. It's like, oh, I I could go to
0: Atlanta. It's right there. Yeah, yeah. As, like, you know, and also, a, a, a I think
1: Vincent Man was still a bit more in, in, in at least closer to being in touch with the planet Earth because he could still lose his mm. millions at some points and nearly did a few times. Yeah, and he was younger and fresher, and the, the s- synapses were still popping. And everything. well, you do and he get still more had entrenched in that, than you're that hunger to do something, yeah. and he had a vision that genuinely no one else had. He could see something about the media landscape, similarly. He mm. saw that the way that things are going with the WWE network that some of the hugest media empires at this time are only just finally getting into.
0: Oh, Christ. Yeah, you're right. Streaming. Streaming, obviously, we've talked about how it's given everyone a platform. Yeah. Um, yeah we were well ahead of that. Yeah.
1: They were it's there insane. before Disney. They were, what, five years before Disney Plus? Yeah. HBO well... Max. They were basically inspired by Netflix, but Netflix was still only... I don't think House of Cards was made until 20... Maybe around that time, 2014, when when, Wrestle, when the WWE came along. Mm-hmm. I think House but, of Cards was around then. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, the moment that shocked me was when I found out that the WWE Network was giving away WrestleMania. That was the always still been the biggest risk they've ever done, I think. Mm. Um, <sighs> But it's crazy to think that that network is now... For over five years old, whilst, yeah. You know, whilst we're still waiting for the Disney Plus to come to the UK,
0: well, yeah. Well, well and all it's the out.
1: But... Stu- you know, different studios are playing different things. Do you know what? And, That's going to fragment the market so much, and it's and just going to be hard. Yeah, and only just this month of recording, have the Premier League actually dared to make their stuff readily available to the general public instead of allowing illegal streaming services to get something out of their product, you know?
0: Well, if you talk about the Amazon prime, that's still behind a subscription service, though. but
1: it's still, but it's available. That's my point. Yeah. They never made those games available in the oh, okay. UK. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: I see where you're coming from in terms of having them all on at once. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Sorry. I get where you're coming from now. Before
1: the <laughs> NFL. I mean, to be fair, I think they based the, they were using the same thing that the baseball networks were using.
0: Mm. What's well, like, streaming. um, if you look at combat sports equivalents, USC has had fight pass, um, yeah. but, but they
1: didn't. They didn't put the pay per views on there. I remember Dana White thinking that it was kind of madness. And you see, with the money that they made off of like several Conor McGregor fights and Ronda yeah. Rousey fights, and you know John Jones fights and the like, that there was a pay per view market still out there. Mm. Just Vince didn't know how to make compelling enough stories for and and big <laughs> enough draws for people to want to spend money on one event.
0: Well, yeah, no,
1: he's. He, I don't think it's a lack of hunger; it's a lack of competition. I think, I think it's Vince a lack of. Pushed. I think it's a lack of ability to tell compelling stories now. Comp, partly due to the nature of the beast of the TV rights money, which is where they're making way more. You know, I mean, you look at the deal they made with Fox and the brief valuation of Vincent Mann as like a multi-billionaire a yeah. couple of years ago. But any one of us that were in the wrestling bubble were kind of like. What figures are these media outlets seeing? And that big TV deal... That big TV deal deal is exactly... I guarantee you that's exactly how Tony Khan was finally able to show his dad. Look! We (laughs) can make money off of this. Please let me buy this huge model train set. Very well.
0: All right, you can have it.
1: (laughs) Now let me go back and twirl my moustache for five hours. (laughs)
0: And like, look at Fulham again, and decide if am I going to put more money into that?
1: Dad, we really need to stop sending the wrong football players to the wrong games. <laughs> the cornerback is not good at taking corners.
0: It's um, and in the UK as well, like Sky have lost the rights to WWE yeah, for the this first time as a
1: recording is the last time, and it's going to BT from next. Uh, yeah. the next SmackDown is going to be on BT. So that's the th- insane. That's over 30 years.
0: That's that's And that's BT just going, right, we want content. <laughs> we'll pay it. We'll pay what you but want. But I don't
1: think they're paying as much as WWE were paying. WWE, uh, sorry, Sky were paying. Sky have genuinely just kind of got fed up with this. And the numbers have just continued to dwindle. Mm. But
0: the fact that like someone will buy it is my point. Like a, a product, well, someone which
1: will is... always buy it. Wrestling is a u- very much has a unique selling point. It's one of the reasons why we love it because mm. you can't get anything quite like wrestling elsewhere. What no, not... closest things to wrestling? UFC, kind of,
0: sort of, but it doesn't really. Well, like, they... but they're starting to put storylines in. Like, well, you know, there, there are
1: obviously times when Dana White thinks, "Man, I wish I could have got Khabib Let's... to do the job."
0: Yeah. <laughs> No one gets Khabib to do the job.
1: But that's another interesting thing, actually. I want to get into that. How wrestling, whilst not feeling as uh, zeitgeisty as it did in the 80s and the late 90s, it feels an indelible part of pop culture because everything is... Everything exists in memification form now. Like, my favourite film of the year is Marriage Story. yeah, And it's a beautiful, raw, tender, funny, sad emotionally devastating, brilliantly acted, a tour de force, only the seventh film I've seen this decade that I give 10 out of 10 to. Right?
0: Yeah.
1: But you know what most people know it for? The four panel meme of Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver having an argument. <laughs> like, what do people know the most about The Mandalorian?
0: Baby Yoda. And it's not even Yoda. Yoda.
1: Is it Yoda? I mean... We don't know yet.
0: I don't believe it
1: is. It's kind of racist. People just calling him Yoda. It's like we all look the same to you, <laughs> do we? <laughs> well,
0: yeah. Well, people. I, I wager a large portion of people think that Yoda is the species, mm. and not his name. But anywho, that will like that. That all me of, of one of the
1: Gearface jokes in Rick and Morty, I suppose. But yeah, just the um. The memification of everything, that um, you know, so many, and and wrestling has been such a big part of that.
0: Wrestling is a meme like, goldmine.
1: Well, one of the first ones I can remember becoming a big deal was the um, RKO out of nowhere. I think that was yep. a vine for a while, from the beginning.
0: Oh, that 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 did dominate Vine for a long time.
1: Yeah. And so it um, started to come into the culture, and then there'd be YouTube videos of guys doing wrestling moves to their girlfriends on, into swimming pools and, and stuff like that, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favourite ones of the last decade is the one where... It might be the last decade, might not be. It's where Cena's won money in the bank, and it's his, like, shocked face holding yeah. it. And well, people John put, like, Zena PS4s, called... or, like, his own head, or,
1: like... Well, that's just... the whole... There's a whole suddenly John Cena meme as well, isn't oh! it? <laughs> has prank phone uh, I um Which he leaned into.
0: I didn't see this directly, but uh there's a there's an basically a, a alternative like sort of club thing in Leicester called Mosh. And they were playing his uh, My Name is Slim Shady, but they actually went with the drop of Ah My Name Is Ah My Name Is and actually switched it to John Cena mm. at that meme's height. And it's just the fact that that's being played in clubs emphasizes the point. now like, that wrestling just
1: emphasizes.
0: <laughs> take it off. Take it off. It's it does bleed into pop culture because.
1: Well, yeah, and it's things like um, like whenever any kind of key like uh, run of good games or whatever in, in any sport happens and it ends. The streak is over. Streaks streak over. Streaks over. Streak over. Everywhere. Yeah. Or. Um, I mean, how many times have we se- Have you seen memes made particularly of Vince McMahon? The most obvious one being where they spliced the footage of him reacting and Stacey to Keeble. Stacey Keibler. Oh,
0: that is always everywhere.
1: Like Yeah, like one of them was like when Marvel released their whole slate of films for, for Phase 4 or Phase 3 or something. Yeah. And just it's cutting to Vince's increased, you know, <laughs> look yeah. of the light, you know?
0: I've seen it for some funny things, and I've also seen it for some downright disturbing things as well. But it, it does hit all quadrants of the internet, that meme format.
1: But that, that's the thing. like, And so wrestling is now part of pop culture, but only in the sense that everything's part of pop culture. I think that's is because... Is there going to be a point now, like in 98, where the two biggest things in pop culture were South Park and wrestling? Yeah. But South I've... Park and wrestling are just part of culture.
0: I think the reason it's more part of pop culture now is because it's cool to like uncool things now. It's more... No, not cool. Sorry, that's a bit harsh. It's more accepted I think on it's the also, internet. Because the you can find thing, your like-minded people so easily now.
1: Well, one of the key things is also whoever's in charge of studios, networks, very often they will try to bring back things they liked as a kid. It's like... A really good example, actually. Of are that. you
0: saying all Network's execs are Justin Lee Collins? Kind of. Thundercats! That were great, weren't kind it? Kind of.
1: They probably have similarly weird ways of treating their female staff, at the very least. I don't know. Uh, yeah, the
0: people across the pond, uh, Wikipedia, is Justin Lee Collins. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. And you'll see a man that looks quite a lot like me. Um... <laughs> and 90% of most men.
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, but, yeah, do you get where I'm coming from like that? There's a lot. The, the one I give as a really good example is The Adams Family. Okay? All right. In, when The Addams Family TV show debuted, the 60s, that was cancelled after about 60 episodes. It wasn't a big hit. and
0: Because that's America, that's like one season, two seasons. Two
1: seasons, yeah. It was like in the 60s, so, you know, they get like 30 episodes back then. So that lasts for like two years But it exists For years on in syndication And the Mm. executives Of the 90s Have grown up watching that on Seeing that on their TV all the time Thinking that the Adams Family were a really big deal Yeah So suddenly in the 90s you get cartoon series You get movies You get video games You get famously amazing pinball games (laughs) Out of it and ever since then, they've kept trying to bring the Adams family back. Most recently, with an animated film that came out this year, that was one of my biggest disappointments of the year—a real, real failure on almost all fronts. That was.
0: I didn't realize so, it was Adams Family film this year. Geez. It was awful.
1: It was genuinely well. It was just mediocre. And one thing the Adams family's whole sh- thing should be against is mediocrity. <laughs> Celebrating the unusual.
0: See, um, so. Oh, I know this we're going a lot, really off course, but no well, I'm just reminded of that Jerry Adams family sketch you were telling me about sure. the other day now.
1: The bonkers and the loony. <laughs> Father, I'm going out now. I cannot be held responsible for what years get up to when years goes out Wednesday. Um uh, it doesn't work. It doesn't work in audio form. And it no. doesn't work in visual form. That's why Harry Enfield never actually did it. Um <laughs> but yeah, uh, But that's that thing. Like, so people that were into wrestling are now very often men and women, but mostly men, in, like, their late 30s and early 40s or mid-30s. And they're the ones that are getting to get their visions on screen. They've, like, worked their way up the, you know, the slippery pole to get to where they need to be. Yeah. To make those decisions. And so you're seeing things get commissioned, like fighting with my family. You're seeing loads of comedians, you know, I'm not saying... Following my lead, um, (laughs) with the 2010 show Confessions of a Smart Wrestling Fan, what happens a year later? Oh, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival suddenly has a big wrestling show on with comedians and wrestlers coming together. (laughs) year after that, Colt Cabana and Brenda Byrne start to provide comedy and commentary to bad wrestling matches. All I'm saying is that I'm the John the Baptist of professional wrestling comedy in the UK. (laughs) Oh,
0: Jesus Christ.
1: Look... Given the messianic delusions of most comedians, that's actually rare humility.
0: Sure. (laughs) Sure, if you say
1: so. But what I'm saying is that um, uh, yeah, just wrestling started to become more culturally accepted. I always thought the key moment when we'd know, because when I wrote the book about that, Confessions of a Smart Wrestling Fan Show, I said uh, that wrestling would never get the geek chic sheen mm. that things like Doctor Who got this decade or Star Wars or or, or what have you did. Um, but I think I've been slightly proven wrong by that. There are a sent. lot of people that seem to be out and about with Bullet Club t-shirts on. Bullet clubs on in, is in like topic stores in America, Hot Topic stores, and selling like hotcakes. I don't know if it does anymore.
0: Yeah, well, the AEW shirts like yeah, yeah. smash out Hot Topic, don't they? And yeah, and teams. I've seen
1: people around with AEW shirts on as well.
0: Yet to see that annoyingly.
1: I've seen a couple, but um, but you live in a more
0: small metropolitan area. I'd yeah, say I live in I Birmingham.
1: Do. Your place? Well, I mean, you grew up in Uneton, so <laughs> they just heard about Hulkamania. <laughs>
0: they're still doing witch burnings mate <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, again for people across the pond uh, I would say Google Nuneaton but they, they, they're
1: they not it's like you know they're like the Amish but even more in actually a
0: lot of American states know about Nuneaton because they study George Eliot books in school so
1: Ooh, oh Nuneaton bringing up George Eliot that's a rarity isn't it oh
0: could you ever just piss off just because it's the name of one of our schools our hospital and there's a big statue of her in town <laughs> It's a coincidence, alright?
1: <laughs> well, you know, as I walk down Peaky Blinders Street past the Peaky Blinders bub seeing ads for Peaky Blinders Ale I'm starting to get a bit fed up of it myself in a different way. Um,
0: <laughs> he says, wearing a flat cap.
1: Yeah. Be careful, man. I'll slit your face across this Skype line.
0: <laughs> oh, that sounded very dirty. and well, it
1: through the fucking bullet club. <laughs> um...
0: Well, you say you, you you laugh, but look how British Strong Style dress.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah, Piggy well, that Blinders inspired. That's inspired by Peaky Blinders, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's so funny as well, seeing the rise and sort of... I don't know if it falls the right way, but the... Um, the, uh, the... Shrinking. The the, the... the draining of life fluid from it. To feed the the master.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Brit wrestling is in a weird place right now.
1: it, it had... built itself up and then to seemingly so willingly forfeit itself to the altar of, you know, like I said, the, the people that kind of are manipulating people's dreams.
0: World of sport. Would you call that the jumping of the shark in terms of the British wrestling wave? It wasn't
1: the jumping of the shark, but it was definitely... Um, because it has to coincide with a lot of people signing those WWE exclusive contracts that were caught. Like, I remember reading that a lot of other wrestlers were calling them, like, Marks deals. I think they're getting, like, 30 grand. Mm. And that's about it as a guarantee. And that's obviously more than I'm making. So, oh, yeah. you know, good for you.
0: Well, but, I think um, the UK national the- average wage is around that. So, yeah. roughly.
1: But it's, it's, it's been to seal it and to keep it for their own, you know? And yes. now you're seeing all these wrestlers having to cancel at the last minute, like Tony Storm having to cancel a gig uh, because she suddenly needed for the Survivor Series at the last minute. And you can't blame her, but it's that halfway house that the WWE has where they have control over it. And we saw, exemplified by the Jordan Devlin-David um, Star match, if you are not listening to our five-star matches and want a recommendation there's one where we sort of delve more deeply into it. Yeah. But that's the uh, thing. There was because that WWE one promotion
0: to... that had its farewell show as well, and like yeah. WWE pulled talent from it, and uh, AEW stepped in, didn't they? They sent a couple yeah. of dudes over.
1: Well, that's the thing, isn't it? WWE are trying to strangle the competition with one hand. It's basically v- Triple H's good cop and Vince's bad cop, you know? They're both voiced so by is, Liam Neeson. Triple H is saying all the right things and making... Sorry?
0: They're both voiced by Liam Neeson. I was making a Lego movie joke.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. It wasn't a good one. Um, Triple H is saying all the right things, turning up with his hip leather jackets to an ICW show, you know, always making sure he's got that photo posed with the latest hot indie prospect with his finger pointing at him, you know. Doing the two sweet hand gesture with Kevin Owens and Hideo Itami and Finn Balor, you know.
0: Yep. One of those, not even there anymore.
1: Because he doesn't yet... Because this is the thing. Everyone's sort of holding out, dreaming for the Triple H-led WWE. And it probably will be better than what Vince can offer. But there's no wrestling genius out there in the history of wrestling that, can, in my opinion, can make a compelling three-hour weekly wrestling show. You could, you could fuse the abilities of Dusty Rhodes and Heyman. Bill Watts and Gado and Gabe Sapolsky and all, you know and and, Pat- uh, Patterson, and, and all those other... Good and Paul Heyman. And Paul Heyman. You the can put bits. them all together and they still wouldn't be able to come up with a good show every week Consistently. for two weeks on three hours.
0: It's not possible.
1: You can't do it. So it's that ultimate thing of so many times that your the, the, the hands are tied to the corporate requirements. Yeah. And, and, WWE, and then, is this, WWE is a cash cow to people like the USA Network because they can milk three hours out of them every week 52 weeks a year do you know how much effort and money they have to go in to get 10 episodes of mr robot a year <laughs> you
0: know or how much money they spent on the witcher i can't i don't even know how many episodes that is well, that's
1: netflix i was trying to think of usa network shows because is that mr. Mr. Oh, okay so i, I only know it well. through
0: it being on amazon prime so i didn't yeah. realize it was network made first sorry
1: <laughs> yes yeah.
0: That's the thing, Um, telly now.
1: I don't know who makes what. So, yeah, I think it's it's genuinely impossible. Like, we sat through, you know, a a truncated three-hour Raw without the commercial breaks and a two-hour Smackdown without the commercial breaks.
0: Which seems to have traumatised you, if you go on about it.
1: It drained the life out of us, Oh, yeah, yeah. Um... And so that, but that's always going to be the case. Like, Wait, I, don't I, think, I, I don't think, I, I, I don't think Dynamite should be two hours. I think Dynamite should be 90 minutes.
0: Yeah. I went to a bloody WrestleMania, and because it was that long, it did that to me.
1: Well, now NXT is stretched to two hours. They're not going to be able to make NXT as good as it once was. They're going to have to dilute the people. They're going to have to, people that they can use every other week are going to be appearing every week. And so suddenly they'll feel less important and less, unless,
0: unless they know. get more depth.
1: Well, they'll have some depth, but there's only so much depth you can have as well. I mean, yeah. I assume they'll go on another hiring drive. That's always the funny thing with the WWE when they go on those hiring drives. And they just they kept bringing in people that you never expected to see in the WWE for a variety of reasons. I didn't expect them to ever give a chance to Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn for... Look, reasons. Mm. I didn't expect them to give guys like Roderick Strong and Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly as many opportunities as they and Daniel Bryan as many opportunities as they did because of height reasons. I didn't expect them to give opportunities to people like Shinsuke Nakamura and Sin Cara because of language barrier reasons. Now, one yeah. was more successful than the other, a lot more. But also, that's also another thing as well. Wrestling's WWE is so much more globalized in its roster as well. Like if you look at the two thousand Royal Rumble, what is there? A few Canadians and the British Bulldog. Yeah. Now you've got guys from Switzerland, Ireland, um, Japan, Japan, Bulgaria, Mexico. Lots coming from England and Scotland and Wales and mm. Ireland and Northern Ireland. I
0: wager you'll probably have an Austrian in it next year.
1: Yep. Austrians. They'll probably be. They'll be looking at talent in. They're looking at talent in. You know uh, who is the guy? Who's the guy that comes out for the for the Saudi Arabia show? Mansoor, yeah, you I reckon Mansoor could good. be in the Admittedly, you know when you're working with Cesaro, you're always going to look good, anyway. I know but you don't watch the events, but that
0: was a really good match. To be fair,
1: I've heard that, that was good, but I'm not going to watch it. Yeah, but um, yeah, so that's going to continue to go, and they're going to try and. Exp- I think they want to expand the NXT brand to to the different world territories. They'll want a place in Asia. They'll want a place in South America. They'll want to place Try in Try it out, mate, in Japan. They'll want a place in mainland Europe, you know. They'll, they'll continue to do... That's what, they, that's what they'll be looking to do over this next decade. Um Oh, they're not they going to go after if... WXW, are they? Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'll be the next step. Oh,
0: God, I can... Could... Oh, yeah. yeah, that's a horrible thing to think.
1: I just... If, if... If, if you know, it's like with Volta, If the if, you, if the mountain won't come to Mohammed, yeah, <laughs> you
0: know? I it's just worrying for me because I think it stifles creativity because there is only one form, of, like there is a, a set of rules you have to follow. Whereas in different places, you can follow different sets of rules and just bounce off of each other. Like one of the most creative things we've had this decade is completely different to what WWE do, and that was Lucha Underground.
2: Mm.
0: Like the level of creativity and like the way that it was just presented. Like That gives that just lets you look at things so differently and like enjoy a completely different style of wrestling and a completely different type of product. Mm. And if everything becomes homogenized, it's just te- a terrifying prospect.
1: Yeah. But, but well, weirdly, like we were saying, one of the conclusions we came to with the whole Five Star Project is there has been, I don't know if a homogenization, but there's been this like Technics. stirring pot of every ingredient of all the different aspects of global wrestling all coming together now you know like we're saying we're seeing matches with mexican wrestlers that involve new japan-esque strike exchanges and a bit of uh, seeing, catch can stuff although yeah, obviously we're, we're seeing
0: that as we're, well
1: we're seeing nxt uk uh takeovers main evented by two guys from dudley and austria doing a semi homage to all japan king's road yeah you know we're, we're, we're seeing all these different things come together and and especially I think since we were watching so many New Japan matches of recent years, it was always good. But it was nearly always to a formula. No matter which two wrestlers it was, there was always yeah. going to be strike exchanges one by one person, but then they get cut off with another hit on the thing.
0: Poison runners.
1: Reverse ranas. Uh long kick you know, long two count kick outs and, and fake out finishes. And you know, it becomes like I said, you could, put it, you could feed this into a computer now and it would <laughs> give you the same thing. Topes and, and all that yep. sort of stuff. But, um, and like I said, it's like the indie scene seems to have infected the WWE to the point that, you know, who was having some of the most indie riffic matches in the mid-2010s? John Cena, when he's doing his US Open challenge. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: And but everyone's I... kicking out of his AAs yeah. all of a sudden and, and everything, you know?
0: Oh, that was such a weird but good period of John Cena.
1: Mm.
0: And then look how they ended it. Don't but again, it was
1: that thing of like, you know, you could have given the US Open gimmick to someone like Cesaro and he would have had awesome matches and maybe gotten over in a similar way. But please I don't, don't, don't start me on
0: Cesaro. Please yeah. don't, because we'll be well, here okay, forever. Let's,
1: let's, not, let's not just shit on all the failures. Let's talk about, I want to end my WWE points, uh, two key things. I want to talk about women in wrestling. Yes. Before then, I just want to talk about their big success. Yeah. And I think their biggest artistic success this decade was The Shield. Absolutely. Like, Great. I think they, the they, will be, they will be held straight. up. Unfortunately, because they'll now have issues with how they present Dean Ambrose slash John Moxley. But I think that will be held up as an equal to. They will be perceived in the history of wrestling as probably the WWE's greatest ever faction. I honestly think. They'll be perceived as better than DX, better than the nation domination, better than, you know... Well, there weren't that many great factions in the WWE, to be honest. i DX, would them
0: close.
1: But I think they'll be seen as, like, as great as the NWO, as great as the Four Horsemen. Yeah. Within their own time period. They were so brilliantly booked and kept so strong throughout pretty much the whole time. They would lose occasionally. I remember there was a brief period where they were saying they were being punished for some backstage... Slight, or slight, but you know, but, yeah. but Vince is weird like that. He'll always test people. I mean, fucking now, Brock Lesnar comes back and he tests him immediately by having him lose to John Cena. Mm. You know, Vince has those weird moments and he'll test people, and I think when they when they brought the Shield back, uh, they diluted it when it just became well, maybe this will get Roman Reigns over if he's with his buddies. You
0: know? <laughs> yeah, they did go to the well, but, they, but whilst times. they
1: failed with the Nexus with the Shield, they genuinely created three. Pay-per-view main event caliber wrestlers. Yeah. They never got Dean Ambrose. They never got him outside of the Shield.
0: No, they never. What he the did character. within
1: the Shield, they did brilliantly.
0: Yeah, he did well outside of the Shield. Uh, yeah, he didn't do he it as well as. Butt, he could but have. they
1: just Vince always saw the weirdly. Vince saw the humor in him more than anything. And because Dean's so good at the goofiness and has a good sense of humor himself, he can make it. Well. I mm. like the hot dog stall bit where he suddenly reveals that the ketchup and mustard things as, like, a holster in his holsters. Yeah. I like the booby fine. trap
0: briefcase. That's one of my favourite things. Yeah, yeah. And when he pours the, um, the, the coke in it that causes um him to uh, – Seth yeah. to get rolled up by Heath Slater so he could pick the stipulation for one of their matches.
1: Or when he forces the ice bucket challenge onto Seth Rollins. Yeah. Time. And it seems crazy that they only ever had one triple threat match and that it was won by Dean Ambrose as well, you know? Well, that, that was it one, when been been back least, from that's one of the great. Yeah, that's one of the great lost WrestleMania main events. Mm. There should have oh. been a. That should have been their Mega Powers explode of the twenty first century. You know.
0: Well, you bring Sting in, but you never have him fight the Undertaker at Mania. Like, what? Yeah. What are you supposed to do? Like, it's so
1: weird. Like, how long were people begging? Even when they hated John Cena, how much were people begging? Whilst the Undertaker had his streak. <laughs> <hated> <laughs> I forgot about that.
0: Oh, and my then
1: Instead, they have a slightly that. inebriated John Cena get beaten by The Undertaker in two minutes. One of the
0: worst big boot bumps I have ever seen in my life. I don't know what, what what that was, I don't know. And I don't know why they did it.
1: <laughs> Maybe um, except to,
0: like, tick a box for both of them, and go, yeah, you've had it.
1: Just Yeah. Um, so let's talk about women in wrestling. Someone made a really good point that at the start, of, in 2010... On the first pay-per-view of the decade, let me get this up, the women on that show had a match that lasted uh, something like 20 seconds or something ridiculous like that. Lord. That and that was even, that was just on, oh yeah, that was Mickey James against Michelle McCool. <laughs> Piggy James, you know, oh, for the yep. Divas Championships. Actually, no, to before that was for the Women's Championship. But then they did the whole Divas Championship, and the Divas branding was horrible. so horrible. horrible. And they never did it in the NXT division. You could see that that was like Vince McMahon's thing. You know, he's really desperately trying to explain to a, an old man that really has a thing for blondes mm-hmm. uh, with certain large areas on their body, but tiny he, areas yes. elsewhere, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That obviously will lead to years of back issues.
0: Specifically dimensioned blondes. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, Trying to get that across to him. And it really didn't take... It took Ronda Rousey like how it did for Dana White. It took as well for Vince to see, wait, I can make money out of this? Yeah. But even then, it was such a stalled thing. It had gone so well in NXT, first with Emma and Paige, and then coming off of that, the work of the four horsewomen, Mm. then bringing in Asuka, you know... All these things. And then, you know, 2019 ends with a very unfortunately mangled and doesn't go how it was planned. But it was main evented by a tag team TLC match involving two Japanese women wrestlers. You know, imagine the Jumping Bomb Angels getting to headline a show in the 1980s or something like that, you know, against two of the people who main evented that year's WrestleMania. (sighs) Mental. And but yeah, they main long, mania. They went all the way around the Reekin to get there, you know? Oh, yeah. And would
0: would Ronda Rousey versus... What the original plan would have been? Would have Ronda versus versus Charlotte? I, I imagine that was their original yeah, yeah, plan.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that's what their plan was. That they didn't have Charlotte break Oscar's streak for no reason.
0: Yeah. Would she, Would that have main evented?
1: I think it might have. Yeah, but would it have been anywhere they, near as... They it, yeah. wanted to have that main event, and they knew they could get it with Ronda. Yeah. But then Becky Lynch just...
0: Took against, a whole new level.
1: The, the most recent example of the fans getting behind someone, not turning against someone like they did with Cena, like they did with Reigns, like they've now done with Seth Rollins.
0: I remember watching that
1: Slam moment live
0: and just the crowd going, yeah, kick the shit out of her! And like, uh, the, the commentator's going, oh, she's despicable, she's deplorable, as... Yeah thousands of people just cheer it's amazing
1: yes. well i like i said my my two fundamental theses about vincent man are that he is george lucas yeah and also that he is a fundamentally bad person not an evil person but you weigh up all his ge- deeds and his views and everything in life he is more bad than good and so he doesn't comprehend what is actually morally right so often he has his main guys like John Cena and Roman Reigns and, and others display incredible hubris or arrogance or disregard for the laws or or, or entitlement in their behaviour. And it worked when it was with Hulk Hogan and it was Reaganomics Americana. And it worked when it was Austin and it was Monica Lewinsky, scandal and, and debauchery and the end of history and nothing matters anymore pre-9-11. Genuinely, genuinely, I think those are... He, he he walked into the two periods of time where greed and egomania and perversi- perversions of different kinds were being fully embraced. The yuppie culture in the 80s, the South Park, Jerry Springer, Euro Trash, yeah. you know, view, the stuff of the late 90s. lags, okay. All that sort of stuff, you know? Uh. And every time since then it hasn't worked because he's not tapped into the zeitgeist because the zeitgeist hasn't matched how he feels. And, you know, again, like we were talking so much yesterday uh, uh, in the last episode about the woke culture and and modern day uh, feminism and sensitivity and everything. And Vince can't possibly understand that. No. But you can try and find a way around it. And the way they found around it was, hey, look at Vince. Look at that woman over there that just made a lot of money fighting.
0: Yeah. A lot get, of get I okay. hate
1: women fighting. A lot of money, you say.
0: <laughs> well, especially his attitude to UFC, where he, like, he says, oh, someone's going to get killed in that ring. Oh, well, disgusting. I think he was
1: also horrified at the notion of women fighting for real. Like, I, think, I don't know if it was CM Punk or someone that said, he was like, they let women fight. <laughs> I think he's in that attitude. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think
0: the mud bit was there, but...
1: No, I know, but you, you
0: could it. You could make that leap, couldn't you? Um... It's good though. It's amazing, and it's not just WWE. Like we are about to see a women's match at Wrestle Kingdom.
1: Well, we are and we aren't.
0: Oh, it will be <laughs> on. It's on the card, all right. It's pro. It's
1: on, we're not going to be able to watch it. No. Well, someone will tape it. <laughs> yeah, someone with a camera phone. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and and like I said, we we talked about it so much in 2019. review, I don't really want need to go into it too much, but. The genie's out of the bottle, the, the, the glass ceiling's been broken, and they, they've given themselves more opportunities. To quote Danny Trejo in Anchorman,
0: stuff. ladies can do stuff now.
1: Yeah, yeah. But it's also, like, the aesthetic requirement. Like, I remember, some, like, I, I think it was Al Snow. It might not be Al Snow. But someone who was with Mickey James in developmental. And Mickey James was, like, the best one on TV, the best wrestler there, did great character work. And she was saying, what? what is it going to take for me to go onto the main roster? And he was saying, look at what all the women on the main roster, except the one with the really long legs have. And look Uh, what you don't have. Yeah. And now, you know, there are some, and that's entirely their way. I'm not going to tell them one way or another, what to do with their bodies, but there was this, you know, just like there was a certain, you know, physical aesthetic that not everyone can reach and not many are reaching anymore. Yeah. in wrestling. I mean, that's one of the positives as well to take out of wrestling now, is that the, the death rate has dropped dramatically in recent years.
0: Yes, uh, thankfully.
1: Because a lot of these guys now are treating themselves like athletes and that weird, macho, drinking culture of the 80s, 90s. Beers and have benching. You, aren't there anymore, because now wrestlers can take their, their, their smartphones and their computers games with them, and record themselves on YouTube playing video games. And make money. And they were being mocked for their nerdery, but now half of them are bloody vegans. You know, yep. they're all...
0: Like Asuka's got her own like uh, YouTube cooking channel, like. Um, for example. Um, she, Xavier Woods is absolutely crushing it with Up, Up, Down, yep. Down.
1: There will obviously continue to be horrible things that will happen. Yes. a culture that requires you to punish your body beyond the way that it can there are obviously going to be some addiction gut problems going on that we're not aware of but it's not consuming you know you hear the stories of kevin nash saying someone suddenly shaking a, a capsule and everyone crowding round to see how many <laughs> somas they can do in, in a short yeah. space of time it would appear that's not there anymore now the, the, the intensity in the way that they're wrestling now and this one-upsmanship and this desire for these crazy, bump-heavy, five-star matches and everything that we're, we've been watching. And, you know, you worry what's going to happen to these Will Ospreys. And,
0: and it's interesting that you use Kevin as that example because Kevin has quite recently been to Columbia for stem cell therapy. Uh, and he recently put a video on Twitter of like, him absolutely killing it in the gym, following that stem cell therapy. You do wonder... How many of the people that are doing those, like you know, flips um, and Kota like and Kota Ibushi taking all those bumps onto his neck? How many stem cells are they going to need to be able to walk in twenty years' time? You do, you do worry.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you wonder. Yeah, and obviously, medical science is going to continue to evolve, but will it be able to keep up with the pace of what these wrestlers will require? It'll be interesting to see in twenty years' time or what have you, mm-hmm. how guys like Will Ospreay, Kenny Omega kazouch crow and the like are moving and, and 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 where wrestlers are pushing themselves and we're still getting occasional shabbatas or ah, yes. the like they're having to retire early
0: well medical science will never outpace human ambition and bravado yeah. it never and, will
1: and wrestling matches now are all about uh bravado and human ambition yeah that's what so, kind of, that's basically the conclusions we've led in the recent years of the five-star match and look New Japan has been able to you know, is like some of the many to many people what New Japan's done this decade in wrestling is the best stuff that wrestling's ever been. That's definitely yeah. the opinion of Dave Meltzer.
0: And now it's uh it's and an it's, it's an
1: estate. Of... Yeah. You know, it's... WWE wrestlers are taking more from New Japan than New Japan are taking from WWE. You know? Yeah. You've seen and... a lot of sling blades and topes and pretty much all of Buddy Murphy's arsenal is a variety of japanese wrestlers finishing moves
0: and you know new japan itself has had to like do a bit of re- like re- rescoping rebuilding in terms and it's of its expanding. Lost lost it's, it, it's lost its lost its hottest gaijin yeah. this decade
1: but they but they built that guy themselves he was he was just a junior heavyweight in january DDT of 2016 and whatnot.
0: yeah and met and wrestling like little girls and brooms. You know, they made...
1: They they they've had Devitt, they've had AJ Styles, they've had Omega as the leaders of the Bullet Club, and they've out they've they've gone on and they've been able to continue without any of them. Yeah. And they've got now got JY, which is something different. Their low single Benables, day upon is as big as Bullet Club ever was, especially in Japan and in Mexico. You know, unfortunately, we still don't know much about. Them. Both of us are very ignorant on the Mexican scene. Yeah. You see a lot of Triple A out on Botchamania, but. <laughs> <laughs> And Lucha Underground, like you're saying, but now guys like Pentagon and Rey Phoenix, uh and Bandido are making big names for themselves in PWG, kind of like how Rey Mysterio, Psychosis and all oh, that. Oh yeah, if you hear the way but I've like talked
0: said, in recent episodes, I have a massive man crush on Pentagon.
1: But now so many of these guys are doing stuff that we recognise from Jap Lucha, from North America, from the indies, from British wrestling even with some of them, like... People going apeshit over a Zack Sabre Jr. Pentagon match in, in PWG because they know that we're going to get cool submission wrestling, you know? Yeah, baby. Um, but what I just want to end on as well, so that was the thing I wanted to. Cause we we, we want to get to the things, but the one thing I want to key into more than anything, the thing that has worried me over this decade uh, in the social media realm has been the tenor and the tone of conversation that seems to have got worse. And. Fan culture. Now, I've been involved, I've been aware of the online wrestling scene since the late 90s. And in all honesty, there have been people saying the shit that wrestling fans say now all the time. Mm. It's just Twitter wasn't there so they could be seen by more people. They couldn't at most of these guys, you know? I mean, I remember Chris Jericho going on a rant in um, 2002. because uh, some people didn't think his match with Rob Van Dam on King of the Ring was any good. And he said, that was four and a half stars. I've had it with you, Marks. Or something like that, you know? So there was always, like, the Chris Jericho's and the Chris Benoit's and edges of this world were embracing the internet culture. Yeah. I remember Matt Hardy, like, responding to a thing that he'd seen on 411wrestling.com. It was so weird realising that they had this thing, you know, this this joint thing. So this is nothing new. But the intensity, the loudness, the abuse, the vitriol, and the extreme opinions on both ends. Mm. Just everyone trying to get to Alexa Bliss and saying horrible things to her, or (laughs) saying really horny things to her. Trying to, you know...
0: Some of the stuff Paige has been sent, especially considering the things Paige has been through as well. That's horrible. The
1: humiliation of wrestlers like like Paige and Xavier Woods and Brad Maddox. And, you know... Whilst with Xavier Woods, it mostly got played for laughs. For Paige, it was something entirely different.
0: You know? mm. Oh, and I wonder what the difference there was.
1: What could it possibly be? Uh. Um, but it was like... and I'll tell you what, I'll, tell, I'll give you this story, and it's not just about wrestling in general, but it, it kind of upset me, and I think it might change how I view my relationship to pop culture in general in the next decade. I haven't decided yet. But this year, a couple of mates of mine run a merchandising uh, company. And they got uh, some advance notice of new jackets based on what the Avengers wore in Endgame. Do you remember when they all went into the Quantum Realm? Yeah, the white ones. The white suits. Yeah. So they asked me to just write a little bit of copy about them. Now, I've seen all the MCU films at the cinema. Never watched any of them really again on telly or anything. But I do enjoy the MCU. It drives me crazy that it's kind of the, the only game in town almost in this world of cinema. And Disney's increasing control of pop of, of the cinema scene really worries me, like actively f- frightens me
0: um, almost like wWEs to draw a comparison.
1: And they asked me to write up just a couple of things, and I had no idea about the film. I think maybe one trailer had come out. I'd made assumptions based on what happened at the end of Ant Man and Wasp that this was probably going to have something to do with the quantum realm yeah, and so I wrote it up, and they put it online, and then the next day.
2: Like, news
1: sites I was aware of were writing about what I'd written. There were YouTube videos about it. I think it was getting mentioned in podcasts. And they were trying to decrypt what I had written. Who had nothing... You know, I'm in a flat in Birmingham. I don't know what Kevin Feige's up to (laughs) when he's not diving into his pot of money.
2: That's Scrooge McDuck. And it was, that, and
1: it, was and it was these websites like MCU Cosmic and just realising that so many people define their life by these things. And so much is available. And like we were saying, like if we watched everything that the WWE offered us, then that would take up one waking day of our lives. Like yeah. from wake to falling asleep.
0: Well, it's seven hours of in-ring content without me counting well, main event main and two, two or five lives.
1: And you know you have all these different. It's like it's weird. Like when we when we were young, we were saying how bored we were and we didn't have anything to do and, and didn't have enough to available to us. And it cost me fifteen quid to get a WWF video, so I would only get one for my birthday and one for Christmas. Yeah. So I just basically watched like like I said, I've always watched. I watched 1999 Royal Rumble, uh, SummerSlam '92, SummerSlam '93, '99 Survivor Series, and my cousin's tape from Sky of the Battle Royal at the Royal Albert Hall and WrestleMania ten. And I watch those videos a lot.
0: That explains your love for Bret Hart.
1: Partly, yeah. But um But now it's just like they can they can define themselves by it. You know, you have the people that Spend all their life. It was like with gaming. Like, I stopped being interested in gaming when the Zelda game on the N64 came out. Ocarina of Time. Ocarina of Time. Or Majora's Mask, because both are on there. No, it was Ocarina of Time. Okay. People were saying, it's so brilliant, you can play it for eight hours straight. And I was like, I don't want to play a game for eight hours straight. And I'm not a cool guy. I'm not a hip guy. I'm not a guy with, like, an exciting Bear Grylls-esque life, you know? But I think you've got to have things in perspective. You can't get too obsessed with anything. I do this wrestling podcast because I love it. And this was like a year-long project. But if you look at our output recently, we (laughs) haven't been the most professional output in... You know, we haven't been the most professional producers in the world. (laughs) I enjoy broadcasting. I enjoy discussing things. I enjoy taking things apart. But I don't enjoy blindly, faithfully talking about things. And And despite what you might think, I don't enjoy... Shitting all over everything. Like I said, I've not been that directly emotionally invested in the WWE since I couldn't watch it after I left home for university in 2002. There's always been a certain amount of detachment for me with the WWE. I really got into Ring of Honor around that time. I've little, you know, I would, you know, loving New Japan stuff. Like I've probably watched more New Japan shows from start to finish than I have WWE shows in recent years. That's not me trying to be hip. That's just that's what I like. I can't get that into AEW yet. Yeah. But this desire to define themselves by these cultures and then the anger and the you know and the vitriol and how it can lead to horrible misogyny and racism in the worst examples. And I know the majority of people aren't like that with The Last Jedi or the Ghostbusters remake or anything like that. But it just, it, it's starting to become harder and harder to to crowd it out. Like you said, you just went to see The Rise of Skywalker, and so much of that is just reacting too far. Like, Star Wars is the most meta film outside of Deadpool. Everything about Star Wars films now are about how it's Star Wars. Yeah. Instead of it just being a science fiction tale about space wizards for kids. <laughs> which which is what it is yeah
0: when you boil it down it's just the fact it's been boiled down so succinctly there um
1: wrestling is is a bunch of blokes and women pretending to fight
0: one of the things i wanted to branch off of uh when you mentioned video gaming there and how people do now become all consumed Mm. with the thing they like is the rise of twitch People will watch other yeah. people play video games. There's nothing and... more
1: boring in life to me than watching someone else play a computer game. And I realise that other people have their interests, but I just worry that like healthy ways of living are, are, are going. Look, I going not become... healthy ways for us to live our lives.
0: I might like be coming a bit old man yells at cloud.
1: Yeah, that's what we are. I appreciate that's what we are.
0: I, but... I, I fully accept that I might become, uh, sound old saying this, but I just do not get that and the fact that people will do that um and that's their form of entertainment just shows how consumed they are by not even necessarily the video game the person playing the video game and consumed by that guy's content the
1: whole PewDiePie cultures and everything like that I you know I I cannot understand it but you know that's me just saying these kids and their rock and roll music I get that (laughs) but it's just what our priorities are and then we look at I, it is a good one. When I, I think I texted you this. When I went to go and vote at the election recently... Yeah. There was a young woman outside the polling station. Like, outside the sign where it said the polling station. And she had, like, some sunglasses on. It was pissing it down with rain. And she was combing her hair. And I thought, that's unusual. I wonder why she's doing that. Has she just gone in or is she going out? And This was quite early in the morning. And then... She gets her phone out and takes a selfie of her outside the polling station. <laughs> well, I've
0: got to, got to do it for the gram.
1: Well, that's the thing. And it's like, if that's what it takes to get people to vote. But I didn't actually see her go in or out of the polling station. I'm hoping that, obviously, this was the...
0: And you can't just stand there and watch a woman in the street, because that's how you end up on a register. Well, you
1: know, they say you can't, but I haven't been stopped yet. <laughs> oh, but, Jesus. Um... <laughs> You just gotta be subtle with it, oh. Um If you put a muffler over it, then they can't hear. The Don't
0: buttons. use muffler. Oh, good lord!
1: <laughs>
0: oh, it's my fault, guys. I started him. I started him off. I'm sorry.
1: Um, oh, just I remember this was quite. A few, this was a couple of years ago, but I just remember crossing the road in Digbeth once, and just looking this woman at the car. And whilst it was on the red light, she was taking that moment to take a selfie of herself.
0: Oh, yeah. It's it's, it's where we are.
1: We're such in a self-reflexive, insular world that we're in now. Um, And and it allows people to become defined by weird things. And that's where you get weird alt-right trolls. And that's where you get online stalkers. And that's where you get people... And that's what, and a lot of these, you know, and a lot of the celebrities now are so um, emotionally fragile. You can tell that it gets to them. You can tell that it gets to some of the wrestlers. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, and and I don't know what the and end you point. You know what of it's. You know the worst is. I don't part. Know what, of that. Like it's only going to get worse, surely.
0: Yeah, and you know what the scary thing is right now, because we have two people on main te- main television in the US now. We have AEW and we have WWE. Can we enjoy it? No. no. No, it's got to be a whole Wednesday Night Wars thing. And everything about this side is great because I, I'm team this side and everything about your side is shit because I'm team AEW. But, but, all it's, either, it.
1: but it's either people saying that or people complaining about other people saying that. Yeah. You know? and I fall into we, the we second into it and we're trying to, And we're trying to paint ourselves as yeah. holier than thou in it. And we're, we're not. We're not. We're kind of part of the problem. We're, we're 90 minutes into this. Now, one of the reasons that we do this podcast is I live in Birmingham. Simon lives in Leicester. It's a way of us getting in touch with each other, staying in touch with each other as friends. Yep. And and we can we can regiment it around it. In the past, it would people would go and meet up once a month to play a football game or to play Dungeons and Dragons or you know you know school reunions or university reunions or what have you. Now we what we have is this yeah. and the podcast and giving ourselves little projects that's helped us through. This year we both had ups and downs this year, you know? And the projects in this podcast has always been a A a release valve for us, you know? Like, there was a time when we stopped it and it just didn't seem like it was going to come back. But then, like, um, Simon's partner at the time told me that you really enjoyed doing it. And so I was like, I enjoyed doing it. And I needed some purpose, you know? I always like to have a project going on. Mm. Whether it's been my writing, doing an Edinburgh show, doing improv comedy, doing stand-up, writing a book... And podcasts have been that for recent years. Like I do this, and I do another podcast about bad British movies,
0: of which but there are plenty.
1: Of which there are plenty of bad movie podcasts and bad British movies, but not quite matching in that Venn diagram necessarily. Hey. That's where we're. That's what we're aiming for. And
0: oh, Venn diagrams are new, real, a recent bingo of ours. So let's let's have that ticked off. We should do a listeners.
1: podcast about Venn diagrams.
0: <laughs> wow, do you know what? I bet there's the, at the, the circle least of four... podcast
1: fans. And the circular (laughs) Venn diagram enthusiasts.
0: I bet you, knowing the world, there are at least four of those in the world. What do we call it? Time to vent.
1: Venn at work. Oh, that's better.
0: (laughs) Okay, yeah called Corlas, one of us could be a ventriloquist dummy. Please, let's stop. Let's just stop.
1: We'll, we'll meet a ven <laughs> Oh, he's nailed it! Okay. Yep.
0: Yeah. <laughs> For show enthusiasts, you could have men with ven
1: I really want to make a Venn diagram episode.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. We're not doing that. We're not. We're not jumping the shark that bloody much.
1: But, um... I mean, I've always promised myself if I gain some sort of prominence through podcasting or whatever, I don't need that in my life. I'd like to make a living being creative in some way, shape, or form. And unfortunately, some of that will come with... You'd have to develop some sort of fan base. And if you develop a fan base, the fan base either becomes entitled or they start to attract assholes. You know, like, how much hassle now does Dave Meltzer... Stick does Dave Meltzer get now from people who just don't read his shit?
0: Yeah. Do you know... to some, like, I grew up wanting to be... like. I think most children when they grow up want to be famous, have like the idea of being popular and being famous. Mm. I can't think of something I would detest more now than being recognised all the time.
1: Oh, I would I hate it. In this, in
0: this world time. now, I would hate to be a celebrity. But
1: weirdly, don't you think that Instagram and all that makes a lot of people feel like they're famous? Yes. If they've just got two or three people from school that like their instagram they'll weirdly get as much of a rush as they would have if they'd have been on celebrity big brother you know okay To link to link this to wrestling Mm.
0: when uh the packages were booked for uh me and my friends excursion to dallas for wrestlemania um my mate had put one of my friends had put the the pictures of the tickets going oh boyhood dream blah 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 on instagram and um one of my other mates had heard that oh barcodes can sometimes be copied from pictures and that like, could invalidate your ticket so he was like getting on the phone to him quick smart like take that picture down and his genuine response was but it's got 16 likes on Insta It's like take it down <laughs> <laughs> so I, I know entirely what you mean but yeah. that man's a lot more grown up now They barely posts on Instagram like so. I said it's
1: all about keeping that healthy detachment and maybe at some point in the next decade I will decide I have to step away from all of it and just start reading books from the 18th century, you know, and going to the opera. But then fucking hell, when you, when I, rare times I go to like the theatre or I've been to one opera, mm-hmm. you realise there's this whole different social circle of people that you just do not interact with during the rest of your life. <laughs> and they're the most insufferable people in the world. They're worse than wrestling fans. I'll tell you that much. Whew. Yeah, that... Now, but you know what I mean? It's like sometimes I dream of going up to the Scottish Highlands and just saying, Fuck you all <laughs> And sometimes wrestling can do that to me and I can imagine that unless I figure out I, I would like to get off Twitter in all honesty and I don't really tweet. I, I tweet I've just tweeted my films of the year, I tweet after the Edinburgh fringe about the shows I've loved, and then I don't tweet anything else pretty much. Yeah, and you've got year.
0: and on Facebook you have got shit for your opinion there as well.
1: Yeah, but he's alright. Yeah. Yes, he might like the Joker, but I can't hate him for that. No, um, but wrestling, like I said, wrestling—it's um, funny thing. And just one last thing, like I think that the stigma of wrestling is not there as much anymore. Just look at how, you know, when The Rock first became a movie star, he seemed to feel like he needs to disown wrestling. Yeah, but then, and I think that was what management advised him to do. But then, when he comes back to host WrestleMania twenty-seven, and that return, like the the reaction he got. I mean, it's one of the most goosebump-building mm. moments. And he's never really left. He's, like, you know, he said, I'm never leaving. Well, you know, the, the different definitions of leaving. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, my stepdad said he was never leaving. Oh, moments. Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it wasn't quite gone, back, gone out for cigarettes, but it wasn't that far off. Um, but uh, The Rock, like... The Rock stuck around, and The Rock is... Pr- pretty much the biggest movie star in the world like my cousin's kids love him yeah they love rampage they love jumanji they love the rock you know i think he is um, the most profitable one
0: or like yeah. the most grossing yeah. one
1: at the and, moment. And, and i think part of that has been from his embracing of his wrestling like he's gone back to that fan base yeah. and their loyalty has carried through and i think that the rock popularity has reduced the stigma of wrestling and now you've got batista in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, and Bomb. Yeah, and the Bomb movie. You've got John Cena doing like movies now. Apparently, this new one he's done for Nickelodeon is awful, but it's an obvious step that he's going up on that ladder. Yeah, you know, that's his tooth fairy. You know, you
0: have to do it. You have to have that like thing in your armor, I guess.
1: And you know, and I can, I genuinely could see Becky Lynch maybe getting cast in something in the future. Well, she's done the Marine. Yeah, but I mean... So she's done
0: exactly. the first rung.
1: <laughs> yeah. But, that, but then they have to be out of Vince McMahon's control to be able to do this, and then you can tell that there's lifelong resentment for them afterwards. Mm. How but, dare um, you do
2: this thing?
1: <laughs> but it's interesting. And, like, fighting with my family uh, was really well, warmly received. Um, it was a good film. It was a fascinating one where it was, like, it was based on a true story, but you feel like maybe... Zero point five percent of what happens in the film actually happened. In yeah, real life,
0: they, you know they rejigged a lot of it, I hear.
1: But I think that it was, it was, but it wasn't looked down upon for wrestling. You know, yeah. And also, I guess towards the end of last decade, with Mickey Rourke's The Wrestler, that also started to you know, bring it as a thing. And like I said, all these documentaries and pro like so many people, I remember Greg James doing a thing on the BBC about wrestling. uh, Like uh, they did the Finn Balor documentary. They did the ICW documentary. They did the Seamus one. They did the Piper Niven Viper documentary. Their YouTube personalities. They can appear on mainstream shows. And it seems like finally, in spite of it all, despite Vince McMahon's efforts, wrestling is part of the culture that it never was before. Yeah. And it's beautiful. I don't know. Maybe kids still get made fun of in the in the playgrounds for liking wrestling like we were. I. Wow. <sighs> well, That's fine. You know. Yeah. Kids will always find some reason to make fun of. Something. Oh yeah, absolutely. Kids can be so cruel. We can. <laughs> we can. Thanks, Thanks, mom. mom. <laughs> oh. But anyway, uh, there are a few key events that I'm sure you're kind of screaming at us for not mentioning because it's in the 2010s. But we're coming to our Mount Rushmore now. We've gone for two different categories this time. WWE events of the decade, there are Mount Rushmore moments. And non-WWE events of the decade, which are Mount Rushmore moments. Simon, do you want to go first or second?
0: Uh, I want to go second for this one because I want to go first for non-WWE, if that's okay.
1: Okay. So, okay, so I hope you've got backups because I'm guessing some of these are going to match. Most likely. I just want to give you my backup options first. One was Daniel Bryan at Wrestlemania 30 Mm -hmm. that was the closest one to being in it the other one was The Rock returning okay and one that I just wanted to say like my favourite moment of wrestling within and of itself was just before the Shield and the Wyatt family locked up for the first time at Elimination Chamber and the fans were chanting this is awesome before they'd even started wrestling Yeah. it was one of the few times where WWE had done everything right Yeah and they did everything right in that match as well. Uh, that might be my favorite WWE match of the decade to be honest. My but my four Mount Rushmore moments are Yeah. In chronological order Okay. The pipe the pipe bomb right CM Punk's pipe bomb promo. The launch of the WWE network. Okay. Brock Lesnar ending the streak at WrestleMania, another key, like I said, memeified moment. Okay. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. It was rest, It was WWE's equivalent of the Red Wedding. Okay. And finally, Becky Lynch, Charlotte, and Ronda Rousey, but more specifically, Becky Lynch main eventing WrestleMania 35 at the end of the decade.
0: Okay, I have to do a slight little bit of rejigging sure then. You would. But only a slight bit, actually.
1: I'll be pleased. Okay. Now you've basically got to decide which of those ones that match is going to be our definitive one. Yeah. Because that's the rules for new listeners. We have three unique ones to our Mount Rushmores, and then we have one agreed one. Sometimes we'll have four unique, and we have to battle it out to decide which one wins mm. and which one gets dispensed of. Well, Simon, what are your three Mount Rushmore <laughs> unique ones and then your mutual Mount Rushmore?
0: Well, I, I had one and a half that matched. Okay. So the one I'm dropping, um, because I think there's enough quality to drop it in the other picks. Uh, I I had it written a summer of punk, um, okay. but I, I am dropping that one. Okay. Taking its place, it's weird here. I've gone for two sort of the same things, but two very different like cats. Uh, I have the shield as an entity.
1: Okay, uh, so are you going to say as a moment like the Shield's debut? Shield's or... debut
0: or okay. that Shield Wyatt moment you could even go for potentially. But I'll go for the Shield's debut because it's just like, oh my God, who are these guys? Mm. Bang. And like WWE haven't really succeeded in doing that this decade apart from them. Um, ooh, if I have to put it down to a specific moment, it's going to be difficult for these guys because there's so many of them. But the New Day...
1: How about Kofi winning the title? Oh, I or could... them breaking the tag team title record that Demolition held?
0: Yeah. Um, Honourable mention for the New Day subsection. Uh, I said it... I've already said it in the last episode, but one of my favourite hours of wrestling television, possibly in the last five years, easy, is uh, Xavier and Biggie's tag gauntlet to get Kofi his title match.
1: I always thought a really underrated moment when the New Day was still on their first heel run was when they, like... Took out John Cena, Dolph Ziggler, and two other guys. They oh, that was brilliant because lame. they went
0: from like jokes to like, yeah, oh my god, these really, guys are really
1: dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a rare moment where they did that. Um,
0: but no, like Newton, look, they just crushed it, and they went from free guys not doing much to basically people who can print money
1: and being successful in spite of Vince McMahon's ideas. At first, <laughs> yeah. apparently, he's still bitter that the work that the the, the black preacher. You know, like as ben and Burns always said, Vince Burns always about a century behind on. Yes. <laughs> you know.
0: Okay, so Shield New Day. Uh, I've written it down as uh, NXT takeovers as a thing, but if we're doing specific ones. Uh, I will pick the one with the Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, unsanctioned match. It's just and that's like... the
1: event with uh, two five-star matches as well, isn't it? Yes, it, I think. it is. Dave it's Meltzer. got the ladder matches. The oh. only event that Dave Meltzer has given two five-stars to in WWE, New Japan, anyone. Just
0: because I think that TakeOver is one of the best in terms of encapsulating the spirit of what NXT TakeOver is. And to see stuff like that under the WWE umbrella and to see stuff like that basically become one of the coolest like a lot of people say now that's the thing they look forward to at a big four weekend is that
1: yeah it's what I watch I'll watch the takeovers I will not always watch like I watched the Survivor Series takeover war games I didn't watch the Survivor Series mm. and that one had loads of NXT in it there
0: you go <laughs> you know? that was actually one of the best ones in terms of big four quite recently
1: uh, our mutual one has to
0: be for how seminal it is WrestleMania 35 main event.
1: Ah. I thought you were going to go for the WWE Network, to be honest. You'll see or what you... Or the streak. Or the streak.
0: streak was an honourable mention uh, for myself. Um, you'll see why I haven't picked the network in a minute.
1: Okay. Non-WWE. Simon, take it away.
0: <clears throat> so, um,
1: to move immediately... Do immediate, you have any backup ones?
0: I have four backups.
1: Oh, okay. Uh...
0: It's difficult to, again. I, I'm not putting it to an exact moment per se, but uh, what I am going to pick is streaming as a concept, and that's why I didn't pick the WWE Network as um, one in the WWE one because without streaming and without all these small companies having these like, having the online platform, they wouldn't be able to be like seen by so many people, and that that's what the internet has given us is the opportunity for me personally to see like stuff from japan i wouldn't have not gone out of my way to see i wouldn't have looked for the dvds i wouldn't have looked for the tapes uh the, the star devlin match is rapidly one of my favorite matches but i wouldn't have seen it without people like putting all of their pools into companies putting all of their assets into a streaming service to like give us to shrink the world as Lorcan said and it's beautiful it truly is beautiful that we have all of this stuff at our fingertips. And we've talked about the negative aspects of the internet, but streaming is by far one of the most positive ones. So oh, it's my... always
1: the best of times, worst of times. Yeah.
0: So my first Mount Rushmore pick for non-WWE is the concept of internet streaming.
1: Okay.
0: My second, quite uh, you can call this recency bias, I don't give a shit, um, the creation of AEW because there is an alternative that has a massive checkbook behind it and an opportunity to push vince and give people a place to go give different sorts of ideas a national platform i'm all for that all day long um third option not option third choice Uh, We've covered it at length already in this episode, but you've got to look at their impact across so many different promotions in this decade. The Bullet Club. Um, And last but not least, um, if I had to pick a specific match, I would pick their... Uh, They're two out of three falls, one maybe, but the 60-minute draw is also really good. But I'm going for the series of uh, Kazuchika Okada versus Kenny Omega matches for what they did to wrestling in general and what they did for New Japan. So to summarise, AEW creation, the concept of internet streaming, the Okada Omega series of matches, and the Bullet Club. I won't list my honourable mentions because I don't want to, you know, Piss on your chips, basically, and then like cut you off completely. Lorcan, what have you got?
1: Great minds think alike, but I've got slight variants of some of yours. Okay. Um, I did have AEW's birth, and then at the last minute, I swapped it out with the formation of the Bullet Club. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I'm going to ditch both of those and make them both honorable mentions, right? Um, first, I'll go with um my other backup one. Which is uh, Chris Jericho uh, challenging Kenny Omega in New Japan. Okay. Jericho making that move was a very important point. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. That was my backup one. Okay. The other ones I'm going to include are... ICW, Progress, and other promotions outside of the WWE being able to book shows in large-scale arenas and draw thousands and thousands of fans... ICW in the Hydro and the SCCC progress in Ali Pali and Wembley Arena and others you know in different uh, other areas which leads into my other choice one of my other ones instead of AEW being born I thought this really it. this was the uh, this was the parents getting it on <laughs> uh, which is all in yeah okay uh I've got Kazuchika Okada winning the IWGP heavyweight title in 2012 from Hiroshi Tanahashi. Yeah. In basically, he'd just come back from his learning excursion and people weren't convinced, but Gado knew something that the rest of the world didn't and that was that this is essentially the wrestler of the decade. Yeah. And this is an interesting one now. Whether we're going to put it down as our mutual, I don't know. But I have the six-star match between Kazuchika Okada and Kenny Omega, because if we're going to define it as a moment, that's okay. the thing that triggers the, first the one. thing, yeah. breaks the star rating system, brings Dave Meltz to his attention. Because of that, is probably why we did this five-star project in the first place.
0: True, I picked the other two because I like them more.
1: But that's not necessarily to do with it. I'm, it's not just what you like. You I know the culture. Is affected by. Oh, i they, to well, change they, that. Yeah, you're willing to change that into the Okada Omega six star match.
0: Well, picks the wrong word because I said the series. I just highlighted those two specifically, but I would happily change it to just that one match. Yeah, that's fine.
1: Okay, so that's our definitive one. So our definitive WWE one is Becky Lynch, and women headlining WrestleMania 35. Yep. And our mutual non WWE Mount Rushmore moments of the decade is Kazuchika Okada and Kenny Omega's main event at the Tokyo Dome gaining six stars, and really being the starting, you know, it was continuing on, from there you basically get AEW, from there you get our podcast series, from there you get 42 matches Dave Meltzer somehow sees as being five stars, whether or not that's the case, from there I think you get the desire to have those sort of matches and get that kind of attention, and also maybe the increasingly bloated nature of a lot of uh, main event matches. From there one...
0: you get, I reckon, uh, I would go as far as to say from there you get New Japan's expansion into America.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. Without that match, they don't even get 5,000 people in Houston. There you go. And, and that's going to be the funny thing with this next decade. Like, Here's a quick question. We're not doing predictions. Does <laughs> AEW... But Does AEW exist on the 31st of December 2029? Oh fucking hell. What odds would you give? What percentage likelihood would you say that's the case?
0: Assuming uh we maintain level of backer interest mm. uh quite uh, quite short odds that it will still exist. If the backer Look. interest changes, that changes obviously. But um I personally think it will. I hope it
1: will. Yeah. There's a decent chance that TNA, Impact, whatever we're going to call it, is going to be able to celebrate its 20th anniversary. Yeah. And they never had a card backing them. They had a carter. They didn't have a card. Yeah. So that's... I would say odds of AEW existing in 10 years' time, I would give odds of 70%. Somewhere between 66 and 70%. He loves
0: He loves being precise.
1: I love my poker. <laughs> Um, But that is it. That's Ooh, the decade. That is the decade. we summed it all up for you. You don't need to think about it again. Yeah. Um, let's make one crazy prediction for the 2030s. Okay. Uh, 2020, sorry. Bloody out. let make one wild prediction for the 2020s. <sighs> like, at some point we will have WWE champion Kazuchika Okada. Or, you know... Okay. Um,
0: semi based in what I think could actually happen. Semi. So semi based in what I think could actually happen, but semi based in what is just okay. like a wild fantasy dream of mine. Uh, a WrestleMania will be headlined by an NXT title match.
1: No, that's
0: not happening. I said semi stupid.
1: Yeah, not chance. You said
0: crazy like prediction.
1: I was going to go with at least two WrestleManias in the next decade will be headlined by women.
0: See, I think that's a... Yeah, I don't think that's crazy, though. That's the thing.
1: Vince McMahon's nine. has lived to 98. So that crazy old man could still be in charge of everything at 85 years old. And he's still going to have his hang-ups.
0: True, but he's took a lot more head trauma than his mom. All right,
1: okay, let's say but 3 seems too many that's the problem a minimum of 2
0: okay so like 2 2 and a 2 plus basically is what you're saying
1: and by main event i mean finish the show
0: yeah not they, they
1: won't have to involve ronda Rousey.
0: necessarily but they might no
1: be. they won't they what one of them won't have ronda Rousey in them okay. there we go cool there will be two female wrestlemania main events and at least one of them will not involve ronda Rousey. Cool. I like that. So when we do the twenty twenties in review, (laughs) when we give our twenty twenties vision. Get ready for a year of those jokes. Oh god. I can see it now. Oh god. (laughs) You know I have above twenty twenty vision last time I got checked, which was admittedly when I was still at school. (laughs) Twenty twenty is merely average. I had actually above average eyesight.
0: Have you put that on your Tinder bio yet? Uh, <laughs>
1: There's obvious ways to continue on with that. <laughs> right. Have you ever gone on Tinder in recent years? I went on it for the first time in like three years. It's a dumpster fire.
0: Yeah, it's all about Bumble or Hinge these days.
1: Yeah, okay. I did see an ad actually in the ball ring today with it like a... a trying to... Like they obviously need some interest... What if Tinder will become like the MySpace of dating apps yeah. or something.
0: Yeah, I think it pretty much already is because, again, Bumble and Hinge.
1: Oh, I thought you were saying it was all about the bum-bums or something. No,
0: no, no, like... no. Bumble and Hinge are like the two hot things in the app dating world at the minute.
1: Okay, I know what Bumble is. What's Hinge?
0: Hinge is quite a new one, basically. Um, what is it? it's USPs is it gives you icebreakers um it gives you it doesn't allow people to actually like do anything unless they fully complete their profile. So you get none of this like blank face like bot malarkey or at least the bots have to put more effort in um Mm. and it's like yeah it's just like the hot new thing basically but people flock to the hot new you've got to stay with the trend with like dating apps haven't you
1: well, if you can't find Simon on Hinge, how can they get in touch with you via other ways, Simon?
0: Uh, well, if you want to slide into my DMs, uh, sure. I am Simon Crossfree on Twitter. So known for the uh, free sick bags, Lorcan will have to work through after me using the phrase "slide into DMs."
1: My name's Lorcan Mullen. That's L O R C A N M U L L A N at the end of fan. That's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd, Uh, my email address if you put it at gmail.com at the end of it. Get in touch with the show at lmtyspod at gmail.com. Lmtyspod is also our Twitter handle. So we don't know when you're gonna hear from us next. It's there's very decent chance that by the end of the week the first week of January we'll at least have to schedule in our next episode. Because we're gonna take a break. We've done a lot. I mean, maybe we're not striking while the iron is hot. We've suddenly got some real interest in this show thanks to a post we made on Reddit. Thank you to any people that are listening to us as a result of that post. Hi, guys! Please tell your friends. Please give us a five-star rating. Yep. Um, we've got a plenty of back catalogue for you to get into whilst we're not releasing stuff on a regular basis. Our plan is whenever Dave Meltzer gives a match five stars for at least the next six months, those will be the episodes we'll be releasing. Uh, we will do a review of that as quickly as we can get our hands on it, and we both got time to record. So you know, decent chance that one of the Wrestle Kingdom shows is going to give us at least a one five-star match. Yeah, I'm guessing Okada, Ibushi, and Takahashi, Osprey, are decent chances. We'll release those on a weekly basis when, if and when they come. Uh, we will not be releasing any regular episodes other than that until July at the earliest it might be a bit later than that uh we're going to be doing we will do an let me tell you something episode where we're just discussing a topic which was the concept the original concept of the show um not to do like the most recent news stories uh we will do that um probably on one every 6 weeks 6 to 8 weeks yep but we will be looking to be releasing weekly content So in the times between them, we are now going to do a variant of the five-star thing called Match of the Week, where we pick a match, and it doesn't have to be a match known for its high quality. It just needs to be something that can spark a fun 20- to 40-minute conversation. We're going to try and keep it within a similar format and time frame of the five-star matches. We will not do those episodes in a week where we've got to do a five-star match. So what we're looking to do is release an episode a week, going forward from around July time. But you won't get long ones like this, except for maybe deep less. Debriefs. Maybe, maybe 10. Ep- well, we're not going to really do debriefs. Well, no, sorry, no,
0: years and okay. reviews. It's all blurring yeah. now.
1: <laughs> like uh, Expect, let me tell you, some things to be somewhere between 8 to 10 a year, and match of the weeks, and five amounts uh, of 5 star matches in the weeks in between those.
0: Well, you got a guaranteed at least 26, plus yeah. any 5 star matches that happen in the first half of the year.
1: Well, I'm not guaranteeing we'll start recording in July yet. We might have, you know, we don't yet know what other projects we'll have. I still would like to go to Edinburgh, and if that happens, then we might have to hold off until September time, which will coincidentally be around the time the G1 Climax starts up. Oh, Jesus. But, yeah, but time goes quick anyway. Um, it's crazy to think this podcast has been going now for six years in yeah. some form or another. But anyway, here's to another six, say eh, so here's to ten. But anyway, there's nothing left to say at this point, except that my name's Lorcan Mullen.
0: And my name's Simon Cross.
1: Thank you for letting us tell you something this time and a lot of other times this year. Have a five-star decade. Until the next decade. My name is Ron Benson. I'm an electrical engineer, father of two, and
2: as you can see from my flat concentric nipple rings, I'm a member of this planet's top race. Okay, that's good. Uh, Don't focus too much on the last part. But... I'm Daryl Jefferson. I'm a landscaper, and I'll be damned if that ripple nipple bitch's race is superior. The cone nipple people will rule this world. You shut your mouth, you dirty knife nipple bastards! What'd you say to me, you target chest piece of shit? Race war! Oh my! Summer, (laughs) first race war, huh?